listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Mark chapter 1 is where we're at. I want you to see this. Two things we're going to start out by looking at in Mark chapter 1. And um, I, I titled it, this broadcast today, uh, Silence Every Demon. And um, no question about it, as we've been encouraging you to speak words of faith over your life, and of course, this book that Carolyn's putting out is, is part of that. It'll be filled with uh, 40 days of faith declarations and confessions for your life. We're always encouraging you to speak words of faith over your life and speak words of faith over your family and children. Um, and so no question, God has already spoken over you. So think about these, think about these three dimensions, three dimensions of confession. God has already spoken over you. That's what this word is. God has spoken word over your life. And so you can align your words with this word. So number one, God has spoken over you. Number two, you can speak over yourself. And the Bible teaches that. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, the Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. You can speak over your life. You can speak life. You can speak death to things that are coming against your life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So number one, God has spoken over your life. Number two, you can speak over your life. And then number three, the devil and demons try to speak over your life. Think about that. The devil and demons try to speak over your life with a word of deception. So there's three dimensions to confession. What God has said, what you say, and what the devil says. Three dimensions of confession. What God said already, what you say, and what the devil says. And we can see that in the, in the Bible. Without question, we know that the devil speaks words to try to deceive you and to supplant you. Go all the way back. It's the first thing he ever did in the Bible. If you go all the way back to Genesis and you look at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and what does the Bible say? That the, the serpent was the most cunning of all beasts. And what did he do? After God had spoken and after God had given instructions, this is what the devil has always done tried to get us to doubt the mighty word of God. And so what's the first thing we ever have record of the devil saying in the garden? Speaking to Eve, he said, did God really say, and then he goes on with his speech, did God really say, and so the enemy for ages has tried to promote the same headline, did God really say, did God really say? say. So the devil has always tried to undermine the mighty word of God. Always. So we know that God has already spoken. You can speak and the devil tries to speak. And he tries to fill your mind with thoughts that will become confessions that are deceptions that contradict the word of God. And so he said, did God really say, but then look, when Jesus was in the wilderness the devil comes and begins to actually twist the word of God 
to get Jesus to fall into temptation, tries to get Jesus to commit suicide, tries to get Jesus to break the fast, turn the stones into bread and eat, tries to get Jesus to worship him for power. And so what was the devil doing? Speaking words to Christ to fill his mind with a a certain thought process. And so the devil always tries to speak a word to you. God has spoken, you can speak, and the devil tries to speak. Demons try to speak in the same way. And so there's three dimensions to confession, but I want you to see this today as we're dealing with the issue, silence every demon. Silence every demon. Notice, all demons, including the devil himself, see the power of Christ as a destructive harassing force. That would be something to write down if you're taking notes today. Every demon, including the devil himself, views the power of Jesus as a destructive, harassing force. And I want to show you that in the word of God, we're in the gospel of Mark chapter one. And the Bible says that, um, as you go back through that, um, and I'm in the, in the section of verse 21 through verse 28, um, the Bible says that, verse 23, immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So watch this from the top. The devil and demons recognize who Jesus is and they know what he's capable of doing. Have you come to destroy us? Hallelujah. Have you come to destroy us? Number one, they recognize him. And number two, they recognize what he's capable of doing. And that's important. They recognize who Jesus is, and they recognize what he's capable of doing. Let me stop here and show you um, an example from the book of Acts. You know, it's not just um, it's not just the fact that demons recognize who Jesus is and his power, but I want you to recognize, and as, as I'll show you in a bit, that demons recognize who you are, and they recognize your power. And we can see this because um, in the book of Acts, chapter 19, there were seven sons of a priest named Sceva, and the Bible says they found a demon-possessed man, and they attempted to cast the demon out of the man. But the demons replied, and look how the demons replied in Acts 19. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? So notice they carried, these these men carried no identity in the supernatural realm. Isn't that interesting to you? They were unknowns in the supernatural realm, unknowns. I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? Meaning they carried no authority and they carried no weight and they had no supernatural identity in the unseen realm. And not only did the demon question their identity, he had the power and authority to leap upon them and physically beat them and strip their clothes off. 
So look at the look at the difference there. No demon ever did that to Jesus, ever. No demon ever did that to Paul or Peter or any of the apostles, ever. You know why? They carried an identity in the unseen realm. They had power, they had authority, and demons had to obey what they said under the power of Christ. And so it's not just Jesus that has an identity in the unseen realm. You have an identity. It's not just Christ that has authority in the unseen realm. You have authority. We know that we know that the demons said Paul, they recognized Paul's authority. They recognized it. They recognized it just like they recognized Jesus. In fact, and I'll show you this momentarily. Not only did these de- this demon not, not recognize the Jewish men, but in another passage, we see demons openly recognizing the apostles and Paul himself. We'll get there in a minute. But Mark chapter one, notice that the demons said, what are you doing here? What do you have to do with us? Are you here to destroy us? Are you here to destroy us? I'll give you another one real quick. Listen to this. Um, <clears throat> let's, let's, I'm going to show you a note I made this morning. The Bible says, let me, let me take you as well to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, another powerful uh, example of this in the life of Christ. Jesus shows up in the region of the Gadarenes, and here comes the man out of the tombs, filled with a demon called legion or a legion of demons to be more accurate. And look at this. He saw Jesus coming, Mark chapter five and verses six and seven. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying with a loud voice. This is verse seven of Mark five. He said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Do not torment me. So notice here, In the first passage, Mark 1, he said, are you here to destroy us? In Mark chapter 5, look what these demons said. Don't torment us. Both demons, and the second was a group of demons, recognized who Jesus was. Notice he said it. He said, son of the most high God. He knew who he was. Jesus didn't have to come in with an entourage. Everybody blowing trumpets, here comes the son of God. He just walked around and people knew, demons knew, here comes the son of God. Here comes the son of God, knew who he was, and then said, don't torment us. So the first group of demons, don't destroy us. Second group of demons, don't torment us. The demons and the devil himself recognize the power of Christ as a destructive, harassing force, which it is. The power of Christ is a direction, uh, is, is a destructive and a harassing force in the unseen realm. And the reason that is, the reason that is, is because the Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, that the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's 1 John 3, 8. So we know that's the purpose. Of course that they felt that way. It was the whole purpose Jesus came, to destroy and to harass the devil, to break the power of the enemy and to set the captives free. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus did for his entire lifetime, and it's what he's still doing today through his body here on the earth. And so we know the devil fears the anointing of Jesus. 
The, the devil fears and tries to shy away from the anointing of Jesus because he knows that he is already defeated under the power of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed. Already, to, He's not going to be defeated. He's already defeated. He's not going to be. He already is. Hallelujah. That's why I love 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Paul said, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We've got the victory. We're not going to be victorious. We are victorious. Now, go on with me and look at, look at a little bit further down uh, in Mark chapter one. And here's where I want to get to today. Silence every demon. And let me read it in context. Verse 23 of Mark one. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Look at this. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. Be silent and come out of him. Jesus said, Shut up and come out. Shut up and come out. Who does the devil think he is that he has the ability and the authority to talk to you? You don't have the right to talk to me. I'm far above you. I have authority over you. You don't have, you can't speak to me. Shut up and come out in Jesus name. Shut up and come out. I want you to put in the comments section, shut up and come out. Shut up and come out in the mighty name of Jesus. That's, you know, sometimes we pray more than we should have to in this regard. The Bible doesn't say pray about demons. It says cast out devils, not pray about them, cast them out, shut up and come out in Jesus name. Hallelujah. And sometimes we sit around praying for things. Well, I got to pray about this. I got to pray. No, take your authority. Tell them, shut up and come out. I've, I've told people this, and I know they think we're nuts. I know the world thinks we're nuts. People that aren't, even, even people that aren't Christians, that aren't charismatic or Pentecostal Christians think we're insane. They think we're insane. I've been watching videos. I've been watching videos on YouTube of um, people mocking Pe Pentecostal charismatics because we believe in the power of the spoken word. We believe, we believe in the power of miracles, signs, and wonders. And I know not everybody has presented it in the most intelligent way. I get that. Some people are begging to be mocked because they just are, aren't intelligent. And I, I get that. But the world, whether you present it in the most intelligent way or not, it doesn't matter. Because people mock it because they don't understand it. They don't know Christ. And so I want you to hear this with me today. I've been watching YouTube videos of people mocking men of God that speak by faith and use the power of confession. And, and one of the things we need to understand is, is that I know that they think we're nuts, but there's times that you need to just stand in front of the mirror if you need to. Because you have to come down, here's the thing, it comes down to this, you either believe in the power of the word of God or you don't. You either believe in the power of the spoken word, speaking the mighty word of God, or you don't. So there's things like I'm not even going to pray for. I'm just going to speak to it 
and tell it to shut up and come out. I'm not above doing that. I'm not above standing. If I've, if I've got a symptom happening in my body, something that's trying to attack me physically, I'm not above that standing in front of the mirror and speaking to that thing in the mighty name of Jesus and telling it, shut up and come out in Jesus' name. Shut up and come out in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm not above that. And I don't care if they label me a fool or say that I'm insane. That's fine. They don't believe like I believe. They don't believe like I believe. You know what's funny? Is that people always, people always take advantage of the peace, you know, the peacefulness of Christianity. They always take advantage of the peacefulness of Christianity. Um, there's nobody mocking. I mean, show me people that are openly mocking Muslims for their belief system. Who are the people that are openly mocking Islam for its belief systems? You're not going to find too many of those if you find any at all. Because they don't offer the same kind of peace of peacefulness that, that Christianity offers. And so people take advantage of the fact that we walk in love and that we're peaceful. But let me just tell you something. I don't care if they mock us or not, to be very honest with you. I don't live for, I don't live for Jesus Christ for the applause of other men. I don't at all. Nor do I care what they think about my Holy Ghost lifestyle. Don't care at all. I don't care at all. So I don't try. And this is the mistake people make. We want to be viewed as supernatural, intelligent in front of the rest of the world. <clears throat> people want to be viewed uh, in their faith as dignified and intelligent. I don't really care if they think I'm intelligent or not. There's people that now, now understand this. There's a place for everything. There's a place to, to, to answer intelligently. As, as Peter commands, 1 Peter 3.15, be able to give an answer to those that have questions about your salvation. There are people, let me tell you, there, there are times it would be out of place to do what I'm talking about right now. If somebody were to come up to you and have questions about your salvation or questions about the kingdom of God, and you start trying to get all super spiritual on them instead of giving them a biblical response to their question, that's out of line. Well, I, I want to know, why do you believe um, why do you believe in this? It's a demon. Shut up and come out. Well, no, no, answer the questions. Answer the questions from the word of God and be intelligent. But when I'm operating as the Bible commands me to in the power of the Holy Ghost, and I believe in what Jesus said, speaking the word by faith and modeling the life of Christ, I don't care if they think I'm unintelligent because I don't believe like they believe. I don't care. Makes no difference to me. I don't live my life for Christ to please other people that are on the earth. That's a stupid way to live. Stupid way to live. Absolutely foolish. And here, Jesus says, shut up and come out. Shut up and come out. Notice, Jesus did not permit the demon to speak. Shut up and come out in the mighty name of Jesus. So you can, you can declare the same thing. Shut up and come out. Look, this wasn't the only time this happened. Go forward with me. <clears throat> Go forward to uh, chapter 3. Look at this in chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, same thing is happening here. A great crowd following after Jesus. He starts to heal people and then delivering them from demon spirits. Mark chapter 3 and verse uh, 10. Let's go to verse 10. He had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. Verse 11. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, 
They fell down before him and cried out. Notice they said the same thing. You're the son of God. They know who he was. Look at verse 12. And he strictly, strictly ordered them to not make him known. They were making him known. And he said, stop making me known. He stopped them from speaking. He silenced them. Same thing. Mark chapter one, Mark chapter three, silenced them by his authority. He silenced them by his authority. Let me take you over to Acts chapter 16 real quick. This is what I was referring to moments ago. Now in Acts 19, notice this. In Acts, <laughs> Kristen, there's some things we let our children say to the devil that we don't let them say to anybody else. My son knows he can only get away with saying the word hate if he's talking about the devil. So sometimes when he's feeling ornery, he'll come up to me and say, I hate the devil. <laughs> he's stupid. And there's only one time I let them say those kinds of things as if they're talking about the devil. So that's all right, Kristen. Tell that, tell that two-year-old to say, shut up and come out in Jesus' name. Tag that on the end, in Jesus' name. Uh, Mark chapter 19, those demons did not recognize the seven sons of Sceva. Who are you? Who are you? But it's different when you are somebody in the unseen realm. In those cases, Kelly, you got to pray. You've got to pray for them and ask God to touch them. Ask God to open their eyes to the things of the word and the things of the spirit and pray that God touches them and pray that God uh, enables them to do it. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16, look at this. I'm going to read verses, uh, let's start in verse 16. Acts 16, 16, listen to this. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Verse 17, she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. Notice this demon knew who they were. You recognize that? This demon knew who ex exactly who they were. Paul, I know. Of course they know. Filled with power and authority. These men are servants of the Most High God. <clears throat> and notice this. Even though, now, now here's an interesting thought. Even though this demon was saying the right thing. <clears throat> notice, whether it was in a mocking way or not, <clears throat> the demon was saying the correct thing, was not slandering them, was actually saying, these are servants of the Most High God, proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Well, that's true. They are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming the way of salvation. And the Bible says, and this she kept doing, verse 18, for many days. And I love the ESV here. Listen to this. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. <laughs> Paul was tired of listening to that demon talk, tired of it. So what did he do? Silenced it by casting it out. He was ticked off. The ESV is generous. And Paul becoming greatly annoyed. Yeah, get greatly annoyed. Part of the issue is that we're not greatly annoyed at what the devil's been trying to do in our generation. <clears throat> we're not sufficiently ticked off. <clears throat> we're not sufficiently ticked off. We're not sufficiently angry. 
So, well, brother, I, I don't, I'm a Christian. I don't get angry. You know, you can be angry as a Christian and it's not wrong. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. And so you can be angry without sinning. And it's good to be angry about the right things. It's good to have a righteous indignation about the right things. We're not sufficiently ticked off. And we need to get ticked off about what the devil's trying to do in this generation. Because until we get angry about it, we won't do anything about it. If we're just, you know, <clears throat> if, if we just sit back and say, well, you know, that's just the world. That's just how life goes sometimes. You just, it, it's an evil world we live in. If that's the way you live, if that's the way you think, then you won't take action to change anything because you just sit back and say, well, you know, that's the way of the world. No, it's time to get ticked off at what the devil's trying to do in our generation and then attack it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Attack it by the preaching of the word, by laying on of hands, by speaking the word of God. You can attack it. Jesus attacked it. Anytime, catch this, anytime Jesus encountered somebody's covenant being encroached upon, if you will. For example, in Luke, uh, what is it? Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> Let's go there. Luke chapter 13. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus finds a woman that is a daughter of Abraham. You know what that means? You know why he said it that way? It meant she was in covenant with him. She was a daughter of Abraham. She was one of the Jewish people. And he finds her. Look at this. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. And she was bent over and could not fully straighten herself, crippled. And when Jesus saw her, this is Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. When he saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now look at this. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done, Come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him, ticked off. <laughs> you hypocrites. You know, nobody talks like that if they're not ticked off. Nobody, nobody just, well, you, I think you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. No, they. Jesus was ticked off. You hypocrites. Does not each of you work on the Sabbath and untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And, now catch this, verse 16 is so powerful and so important. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And he said all these things, and all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Notice, why was, here's another thing, that, a point that Jesus made here. It's interesting to me that Jesus was saying, here's a woman who's in covenant with me. She's a daughter of Abraham. It would not have been right. Notice, he was just now coming to the knowledge 
that here's a woman in covenant with me that's been suffering for 18 years. Notice the first time that Jesus became aware of it, he healed it and did not wait and did not say, well, you know, we could do it tomorrow. Today's the Sabbath day. No, he said, we're not going to wait till tomorrow. It would have been wrong for that woman to come into the presence of Jesus and him understand her problem and know she was in covenant with him and say, well, I'm not going to heal you right now. It would have been wrong for Jesus to do that. It would have been wrong because he would have been denying the covenant that he had with that woman, a daughter of Abraham. He had to, you understand this? He had to fulfill his covenant as the healer with this woman when he became made aware of her issue. Didn't matter what day it was. It doesn't matter. Here's how I know. It, 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 Jesus will never allow a spirit of religion that's more interested in control and manipulation than it is freedom. He will never allow a spirit of manipulation to govern whether or not he'll touch you. He wasn't going to wait because there are a bunch of religious knuckleheads trying to manipulate everything. We'll do it. No, this is a daughter of Abraham. And she's already suffered 18 years. How can I let her walk out the door without making her free? And Jesus got ticked off. You can be ticked off. I'll give you another example. Jesus came into the temple and found the money changers. Found the money changers cheating people out of their money as they sold sacrifices. And it so angered him that the Bible says he left the temple, went outside, braided his own whip, <laughs> made a custom-made whip, and beat those Bible says he flipped the tables over and beat them all out of the temple and said, my, my father's house is to be called a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. And they were overcharging people for the, for the sacrifices to give to God and then pocketing the money. And it so ticked Jesus off, that wicked action of stealing from people that just want to sacrifice to God, that he braided his own whip, the Bible says, and drove them out of the temple, drove them out. He was ticked off. Did Jesus ever sin? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Jesus never sinned throughout his life. If he did, he would not have been qualified to become sin on our behalf. Never. But he braided his own whip and beat them out of the temple. The, the, the animals and the men ticked off. We've not become sufficiently ticked off at what's going on in our generation. And we need to get ticked off. We need to, to get sufficiently ticked off until we are mad enough to take action, not against people, against the devil and every demon that tries to touch this generation. Yeah. Look at the difference. Jesus took authority and beat demonic, not only spirits, but men operating with a demonic thought process. Whereas the demons beat the sons of Sceva. Mm -hmm. Jesus braided his own whip. I love that. <clears throat> he said, I'm not just going to give you a beating. I'll give you a custom made beating. <laughs> I made this whip and you need to hear it today. You need to hear it today. The power of God in us is there to destroy the works of the devil and to harass demonic forces. 
That's why when I, any Holy Ghost filled believer gets around, demons start manifesting. It's like Andrew put in the comments a little while ago. When he was talking and a woman started manifesting and said, stop talking. Your voice gives me a headache. Your voice. Why is it that his voice gives her a headache and not everyone else's voice? What's different about our voice than the rest of the voices in the world? The difference is that as we're filled with the Holy Ghost, our voice carries the power and the breath of God. Scripture teaches it. Carries the breath of God. When we speak, we speak the words of God. When we speak the words of God, guess what? We're speaking with the breath of God being released into the earth. And so we need to understand this, that this word is more powerful than the demons that try to come against. That's why it doesn't matter how it manifests, sickness and disease, addictions. It doesn't matter if it's depression and anxiety. It doesn't matter what it is, suicidal thoughts. As we take authority, but see, we won't go out and go after it. We've let, we have let this culture explain away many things as natural that are actually supernatural. We've let the we've let this culture explain them away and then try to medicate them out of people's lives. And you can't medicate a demon spirit. I'm not telling you that everybody that battles these things is demon possessed. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you can be oppressed by the devil. Oppressed harassed by the devil. That's why the Bible says in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And and he went about doing good and healing all those that were what? Oppressed by who? The devil. The devil does the oppressing. Christ does the setting free. And so understand, we have tr- we have turned into a chemical imbalance, an issue, you know, a, a generational problems. You know, we literally. Please, nobody write in the comments and ask what a word means when you are on a mobile device connected to the internet and can go to dictionary.com in another tab. Please don't ask the definition of words while I'm teaching. So understand that the devil does the oppressing. And Christ does the setting free. You understand? And so we have to be the ones that harass the enemy and destroy the works of the devil. Why are we, why in the world are we, as believers who understand the word of truth, why in the world are we allowing a culture to, to, to turn everything into a natural problem when it's not natural problems? You realize that people that are uh, going through problems and being medicated for them. It's not solving the problem. It's just literally zombifying the person that deals with the issue. Is that our goal? To just make everybody zombies through medication? Well, you know, he battles a lot of issues and it's a lot of chemical imbalance in the brain. So we've got him on six different medications and, you know, it affects his attitude. Yeah, it affects his attitude. He's a zombie. Because everybody's just pumping individuals full of drugs instead of actually setting them free from the root issue that's causing them to go through that. Depression. Everybody loves to talk about chronic depression and anxiety. Well, it's, you know, there's a chemical imbalance in the brain and it causes the, it's more than that. According to scripture, you can, listen, it may manifest in that way medically. You might, exactly, putting demons to sleep with medication. That's not what I want for life. I want to see people set free. You can live 
free from every attack of the devil. You can silence every demon by the power of the Holy Ghost. And people have learned to live with. And it's been taught to them by stupid preachers that don't have enough Holy Ghost power to blow the fuzz off of a peach. And have been told, well, you know, there's just these things we deal with. And, and it's been so taught to Christians that we'll have Christians come through the prayer line and say, I, I'm dealing with this. Just pr- please pray that God gives me the strength to live through it. That's your prayer request? In talking to a supernatural God, your prayer request is God give me the strength to bear the issue? Give me the strength to bear the problem. That doesn't come from a believer. That comes from a stupid preacher that does not have Holy Ghost discernment and does not understand the word of God and doesn't have miracles. So they have to teach their people to not believe for miracles because they can't produce them. And it's a waste of time in the body of Christ. There's a lot of hirelings in pulpits that need to get out because they weren't called by God. They weren't called by the Holy Ghost. They thought it would be a good career path. And let me just tell you something. Being a man of God is a horrible career path if you're not called to be in the ministry. It is the worst career path you could ever take because this is not a career, it's a calling. It's not a career, it's a calling. You can't retire from a calling, you can only retire from a career. I have zero plans to retire, none. And I know I'm only 38 years old, but what I'm telling you is we don't retire from a calling. We can only retire from a career. If you'll keep yourself, see, God will keep you. But this is why it's important what church you go to. It's important. And and I'm so tired of hearing people. I'm so tired of hearing people. Well, we don't live close to anywhere. Well, then get in your freaking car and drive somewhere. It's like, it's not 1802. It's 2020. Blows my mind that people will draw drive everywhere else except when it comes to church. You know, well, it needs to be within five minutes of my house. Get in your car and drive somewhere where there's the Holy Ghost moving and you can get spiritually fed. It's the most important thing in your life. Don't leave that to chance. Don't leave that, well, you know, it's more convenient for us. Oh, really? Oh, really? Isn't it interesting? Let me give you a little analogy to help people. Isn't it interesting? That if people are going through a severe sickness or disease, that they don't just rely on a community hospital that's close by their house. Isn't it interesting that when people battle severe cancer, they will go, if they can get in, they will go to a a hospital that specializes in cancer patients. Well, it's four hours from my house. Well, they don't care if it's four hours from their house. They need it. They need it. Well, you know, that hospital's four hours away and I could just go here to the community hospital. It's fine. No, if your life depends on it, you'll drive the four hours. If they told you, trust me, if they told you that they, they, there were no beds in the hospital for you to stay and they needed you to drive every day four hours there and four hours home, or if they told you they need you to drive four hours there and then get a hotel room and stay by the hotel, you would do it. You would do it because you know that, that you need it. And people won't, people don't understand. They'll drive to see a, 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 an oncologist or whatever. Is that right? Am I right in saying that that's a cancer doctor? They'll, they'll drive to see their doctor, but they won't drive to feed their spirit man. They won't drive to, to, uh, to allow an anointed man of God who preaches Holy Ghost and fire to come and fill their spirit man, not realizing this is the most important thing. 
If this is abounding, it will overflow to my mind. It'll overflow to my body. People don't get it. They just don't get it. And they're, they're happy to live in their problems. They're happy to live in their issues. They're happy. They're, well, you know, that's just the way of the world. Okay, then let that be your story if that's what you think. But we as believers need to get ticked off enough at the devil and what he's trying to do in this generation to stand up and be counted and to begin to destroy the works of the enemy and silence every demonic force by the power of the Holy Ghost and the word of God. It's what needs to be done. Jesus was able to get ticked off. Paul got ticked off. Peter got ticked off. The men of God were ticked off and they understood how to deal with demonic forces. Shut up and come out. Shut up and come out. It's like I told you that story recently when I was in Brazil last year. That woman came to the altar during the altar call full of the devil. Actually, two de- I had to cast two demon spirits out of the same woman. Two. In the middle of rural Brazil where nobody speaks English, everyone speaks Portuguese. And while I'm giving the altar call for salvation, this little woman starts to try to run through the crowd and punch everybody full of the devil that's getting saved took four full grown men to hold her down to the ground. I led them in salvation prayer. And then I jumped off the platform and straddled that woman on the ground who was full of the devil. And if you could have seen pure hate coming out of somebody's face and eyes, it was coming out of hers and no one there spoke English. And I said, you're coming out tonight. And the demons answered me back in English and said, I'm not coming out, not coming out. Spoke to me in English where nobody there speaks English. I'm not coming out. I said, oh, you're coming out tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And I cast that demon out. And then I cast a second one out. And when I did, the woman thrashed on the ground and went limp and basically like unconscious. And when she came to, she shook her head and looked around and said in Portuguese, where am I? How did I get here? See, it wasn't her speaking in English. It was the demon spirits in her responding to me in English trying to tell me they weren't coming out. Oh, you're coming out because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Who do you think you're talking to? Shut up and come out. Shut up and come out in Jesus' name. And they came out, both of them. We kicked their little behinds out of that sanctuary. And then she went and sat by the pastor who led her in the prayer of salvation in Portuguese. She was saved. And then she came through the prayer line that night with her hands raised to be anointed with oil with the rest of the crowd, looking like a different woman. Why? Because the devil came out of her. Power of God touched her life and transformed her into a new creature in Christ Jesus. Oh, you're coming out. You're coming out. Demons don't like it when we get around. They do not like it. They can't stand it. I was in Boston, Massachusetts getting a coffee. And uh, as I still have it on my phone. There was a woman, and when she came right down, uh, I could tell when she came out of the coffee shop, she was full of the devil. She was manifesting on the streets of Boston. And I'm sitting in my truck, you know, parked on the side, parallel parked on the side of the road, and I'm just praying in tongues. And here comes this woman manifesting, walking down. And I promise you this, I didn't even roll my window down. When she came by, parallel by the car, I began to, I, I commanded that demon. I said, I'll show you. I don't have to roll the window down. I don't have to get out of my car. The power of my word is enough. I said, come out in Jesus name and go. And I'm telling you that when the woman came parallel with my car, she fell to the ground and started thrashing everywhere. The demons felt it. The demons felt it. And then she jumped up and took off running like a bat out of hell, ran down the sidewalk, felt it. She felt it. 
And it wasn't her, it was the demons that felt it. Why? Because you carry power to harass the devil. I didn't have to roll the window down. I didn't have to get out of my car. I didn't have to point my Bible and make the sign of the cross. And you, know, you don't have to do any of that crazy stuff you saw in old movies. There's power in your words. We were in Paris, France, walking down the street. We weren't even praying in the Holy Ghost, just walking to get coffee. My uncle and I and the rest of our family. And here comes a demon-possessed man in the cafe. He jumps up. You know, they were, they were just calmly drinking their coffees. And we're walking by. Jumps up, flips the table, starts screaming, running down the through the cafe and knocking everybody's stuff off their table and screams and runs away. We weren't even doing anything except walking to get coffee. But the devil can feel when you're coming close, full of the Holy Ghost, and it's tormenting to demon spirits. It's tormenting. That's why the devil begged Jesus, begged him, please don't torment us before our time. Please don't. Because they could feel that Jesus carried power to torment them, to torment them and to destroy them. And same, same, same way that they said in Mark chapter one, are you here to destroy us? They knew their time was coming. Are you here to destroy us? You better believe that there's destructive power in the power of Christ to destroy the works of the devil. That includes sin. That includes sickness. That includes disease, includes poverty, includes lack. It includes depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. Everything must bow its knee to the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everything, everything. And you understand, it's time to get ticked off enough to stand up and to begin to set people free by the power of the Holy Spirit. I still remember, I've told you the story, I still remember that precious girl that came into our service in uh, New Hampshire with Pastor Daniel and Sherry Williams. And she came in strung out, if they're watching, they can testify, she came in strung out on heroin. Power of God hit her that night in the service. She went home, came back the next night looking like a different woman and gave her testimony and said, I've done heroin every day of my life. And she mentioned for how long before that day? And she said, but after the Lord touched me last night, I woke up this morning. I, not only did I not do heroin today, I didn't even have the desire to do heroin and came in completely turned around. Well, that harassing force that kept her in bondage and addiction was destroyed by the power of the Holy Ghost. It destroys invisible prisons. The Holy Ghost destroys invisible prisons. The word of God destroys invisible prisons of addiction. It'll set you free. And keep you free. Hallelujah. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Free indeed. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Bible teaches this. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Read it for yourself. And we've allowed bondage to continue when it should be broken. And you've got the authority to break every yoke of bondage by the anointing of God. The power that's in you is greater, thank you, Jesus, than he that's in the world. And we mess around going to dead churches and acting like everything's cool. It isn't cool. Get out of that dead church and go somewhere where the Holy Ghost is moving and they believe in the Holy Ghost. And stop giving excuses as to why you can't. Well, there's none in my town. Go to a different town. Well, there's none in my region. Go to a different region. You know, I would, I would encourage people to move to go to a good church. If there's truly, and I don't believe there is, but if there's truly no good church anywhere close to you, it's time to move. Well, you know, our job, you know, we have to think about it. Let me tell you something. If you're honoring God and putting him first, he will exalt you. He'll exalt you. 
It's worth moving to go to a church that's on fire. It's worth it because it's the most important thing in your whole life. Do you know that the founding fathers in this nation, we used to recognize, we used to recognize that this church was the most important thing there was. You go to New England, you go through the East Coast, you go down to Virginia, you go to different places, and you'll realize as you look at the architecture of a city, you know what you'll find? That they always, when founding a new city, the first building built in the city was a church. In the center of the city, they built the church, and everything else was built out from the church. Everything. Study it for yourself. They built the church first. They built it first. You understand? Even You go back to uh, Europe. You go back to Europe hundreds of years ago. What did they build for the churches? Cathedrals. I, 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 go look, I love to look at them. I'll still go up to New England. There's cathedrals, beautiful cathedrals in New England, New York. You go look at them. Massive stone structures that took years and years and years to build. Think about it. Nobody lived in cathedrals like that, but they built them for the house of God. Why do you think they gave all that money and spent all that time and all that effort to build that? Because they understood it's the house of God and it's a priority. Look at those cathedrals. Some of them took so long to build that the people, I want you to think about this principle, the people that were sowing money giving money to the church for the building of a cathedral, the construction of a cathedral, they knew I'll be dead before I'll, I'll never worship one service in this cathedral. Never. I'm going to continue to sow to it and give to it knowing I'll be dead before it's completed and I'll never ever be able to worship in it, but the next generation will worship in it. And they understood the power of the church. Ashley Wright says, I love my church, New Life Church in West Virginia, Pastor Huffman. I love Pastor Daryl Huffman powerful man of God. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. Churches like Pastor Huffman's church, it's worth going to a church. It's worth driving to be in a church like that, where they believe in the power of God, where they believe in the anointing of God and not just believe in it. They activate it by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's worth it. Because see, we need to understand that if we're going to carry authority, we have to be under authority. And you will manifest what you are taught and what you believe. If you're taught and believe that the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today and that Holy Ghost isn't for today and the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not for today and speaking in tongues is not for the day and all those things, if you're taught that and you end up believing it, you'll never press in for it. You'll never set your faith for it and you'll never see the results of it because you've been lied to and you now believe that the God of miracles is no longer producing miracles. When he said of himself, I'm the same yesterday and today and forever, talking about Christ. And then in Malachi 3, it said, I'm the Lord, your God, and I don't change. He's the same. No matter what day you access his power, he's the same. No matter what century you find yourself in, no matter what decade it is, he's the same God in the 1980s that he is today. He's the same God all the way back in uh, AD 40 that he is today. He's the same. He does. Yeah, exactly right. I, I think I put that in one of my magazines. Uh, that the cathedral in Cologne took 600 years to build. You think about that. Think about that. Pastor uh, Bishop Marlon Reed, powerful man of God in Livonia, Michigan. Power, it's worth going to a church like that. It's worth going to a church like that. 
Why? We need the power of God in our lives. We need the Holy Ghost. And if you're taught, see, this is the problem. What People get all, you know, well, it's just a good church. It's close to our house. They have a good kids program. If that's what you've based where you go to church on, you've missed the mark. People are willing to sit in a dead church that teaches junk because they've got a good kids program. Well, I really enjoy the worship. Good. Enjoy living in sickness and disease and depression because you enjoy the worship. It's a waste of time. It's a total waste of time. There's people that are literally dying on the outside because of spiritual leaders that have told them that God's not, they've misrepresented the character and nature of God. Totally misrepresented him. Listen, if you think it's cool, because here's the thing, people will say to me, because I just said that, people will say, well, the real important thing is how can you say they're teaching junk when the real important thing is that their souls are saved and they're on their way to heaven? Well, of course that's important, but I want you to understand what they're doing. They are lying about the nature and the attributes of God. They're lying. When people say, that the Holy Ghost is no longer for today and baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, miracle signs and wonders, healing of the sick, that none of that's for today. They are lying to you about the nature of God. They are saying things about God that are untrue. It's no different. It's no different than if you said God's a liar. You know God's a liar? It's no different. It's no different. Please understand that. Because what you're saying is, though he said, I'm the Lord your God, I don't change. Though he said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. What they're saying is, those cessationists are saying, well, no, it's not the same. Because miracles and healings are not for today. And signs and wonders are not for today. And the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not for today. Although there's nothing in the word of God that says they come to an end. Nothing. Till we get to heaven. But they're saying that God won't do and doesn't do what he said he does. So they're calling God a liar. That's how serious it is. Well, we just have a few belief systems that are different. No, you don't. You call God a liar while we call him true. (laughs) God doesn't lie. He's not a man that he should lie. So I don't listen to people that call God a liar. And I would never attend a church that taught, whether they say they do or not, it's what they're saying. I would never attend a church where they called God a liar or called his word a lie doesn't matter how they divide it. They're wrongly dividing, wrongly dividing. Exactly. There's not a single scripture that indicates that. It's exactly right. Even when they go to 1 Corinthians and try to say, you know, tongues will cease. Well, not now, genius, in heaven. There'll be no need for tongues in heaven. There'll, there'll, be, there'll be no need. You know, here's what's funny. Even if you believe like some cessationists do, that tongues was the ability to speak foreign languages for the purpose of salvation. Um, have languages ceased? Even if you believe that way, if that's your logic, you know, when he says tongues, he's talking about the ability to speak a foreign language. Oh, really? Well, then in your estimation, have foreign languages ceased? Has the ability to speak foreign languages ceased? No. What a stupid, what a stupid argument. And people, the truth about it is they've been lied to by men of God that will not speak the truth. And they're calling God a liar. It's life and don't, don't expect, trust me, don't expect to take authority in the unseen realm and have an identity as the demon said Jesus did and Paul did in Acts 19. 
Don't expect to have an identity in the Holy Ghost if you go around calling God a liar, number one, and number two, go around saying God doesn't do what he said he would do and, and saying that these things are not for today. Don't expect to see wonderful things take place in the supernatural realm in your life when you call God a liar. And don't go to a church that's a waste of time because they're lying about God. Find a place that's on fire and go there. And be thankful that you go there and bless the pastor because you go there. If you want to silence every demon, you got to carry power to silence the devil. You've got to carry power to silence the devil. Now, let me give you one more thing before we pray. Mark chapter four. Because we're not just talking about silencing every demon, but even every attack that's come against your life. Every attack that's come against your life. Amen. Pastor Tim Shuttlesworth, that's my uncle, church I grew up in. God bless you, Kate Penniman. We love you. Look at this. Mark chapter 4. I want you to see it with me. Verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. That's Jesus. Verse 36. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind. Notice this. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea. I'm going to show you something here that's going to stir your faith. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Now stop there. In one sense, I don't, I don't like the rent, how the ESV renders this, this word because I don't think it's as strong uh, as it would be, in, for example, in the um, NASB. We hear the word peace. You know, we don't really... We don't really say it in this generation the same way. For example, if you were to go to a traditional wedding... What You know that question they always ask? If there's any here that have any reason why these two should not be wed, speak now or forever hold your peace, meaning be quiet. Say something now or just be quiet for the rest of time. That's what the minister is saying. Speak now or forever hold your peace. It's the same thing Jesus was saying here. Peace, be still, means meaning be quiet. Let me read it to you from uh, the New American Standard Bible, which is even more of a literal translation. In the in the NASB, I like it. He said, hush, hush, be still. In the New Living Translation, listen to it in the New Living. I'll read it to you in the Net Bible, N-E-T. Listen to this. And he said, be quiet. That's what he said in the, the N-E-T. Listen to it in the NLT. He says, silence, be still. So he rebuked it. Notice, he did not Notice this, he did not just pray and say, oh Lord, would you just give us victory over the storm? No, he spoke to it and he said, shut up and be still. The same thing he said to demon spirits is the same thing he said to this demonic wind that was trying to kill them all. It was coming against them to kill them, to kill them. And notice what Jesus said. He said, be quiet, silence, hush, shut up. Be still. I love this. 
rebuked the wind. Now look at how this says this. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea. Do you catch that? Rebuked the wind and said to the sea. It says the same thing in the NASB. Notice this. Rebuked the wind and said to the sea. Why did he rebuke the wind? And why did he only speak to the sea? I'm going to show you something here that's powerful. Why did he rebuke the wind and only speak to the sea? Well, obviously, it was the wind that was causing the waves. The wind was causing the waves. But also think about this. This was a demonic wind. A demonic wind. So he rebuked the wind because it was a destructive and a demonic wind. So the devil created the wind. But look, God created the sea. He didn't need to rebuke the sea. God created that. All he had to do was eliminate the demonic element and everything God created would go back to normal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All he had to do was eliminate the demonic element and what God created would go back to normal. It's the same here. You deal with the root of the issue. You speak to the demonic unseen force and command it to shut up and get out. And when it does, everything God created goes back to normal. When a demonic attack comes against your mind to try to bring confusion, depression, anxiety, fear, all those things, you rebuke the spirit of heaviness. You rebuke the spirit of fear and command it to go. And your mind, there's nothing wrong with your mind. Your mind is created by God. Nothing wrong with your mind. You rebuke the demonic force, and when the demonic element is removed, the oppression is gone, the mind God created goes back to normal. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing wrong with your mind. Well, I got problems in my mind. You don't have problems. Your mind was created by the Almighty God, and he created it perfectly. Nothing wrong with the mind. It's an oppression of the devil. And Jesus came against every oppression of the devil and destroyed it. And you speak with authority and command that oppression to go, and it has to leave. And when the demonic element is, is, is gone and eliminated, everything God created goes back to normal. Because the Bible tells us, Jacob, he's asking, how do you know what spirit to rebuke for all these things? The Bible tells us that depression is a spirit of heaviness, Isaiah 61. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that there's a spirit of fear. So if fear and depression come upon you, you rebuke the spirit of fear, you rebuke the spirit of heaviness. That's the power of reading the word of God and studying it and knowing what it says. You can't activate it if you don't know it. I remember when I was growing up, they had G.I. Joes and they'd say, knowing's half the battle. They'd always finish every, now you know, and knowing's half the battle. You know, they'd always say that at the end of the cartoon. And knowing's not half the battle, it's most of the battle. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, Hosea 4.6. So it's not half the battle, it's most of the battle. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, John 8.32. It's most of the battle. So that's why it's important to know it. That's right, Carissa. You just, exactly, until you feel peace. Until peace comes, you rebuke a spirit of fear. You rebuke every attack of the enemy against your life. And then everything, once that's gone, what God created goes back to normal. Nothing wrong with your organs. Nothing wrong with your bones. Nothing wrong with your joints. There's nothing wrong with your, or nothing. You rebuke 
the attack of the enemy. It has to go, and what God created has to come back to normal in Jesus' name. And I understand that. It's important to silence every demon. And that's why I'm going to pray for you today. Because there's many of you that are being oppressed. I'm not saying you're demon-possessed. I'm not teaching that. Demon possession's real. But if you're a Christian, you can't be demon-possessed as a believer. It's impossible. The Bible teaches that the strong man is the one who lives in you. And the demon, a demon spirit can't come into a believer and bind up the strong man and take control of the vessel. He can't do it. Greater is he that's in you. Greater. Well, what's he greater than? Every other demon force. Every demon force, the greater one, the Holy Ghost lives in you. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I'm not teaching you those that are watching that are believers that you're demon possessed. It's not possible. But what I am teaching is you can be oppressed by the devil and you've got to gain authority and cast the devil out. Believers can be oppressed by the devil. Can be. And have to take their authority and rebuke the devil and command him to go. See, the, the devil was trying to oppress Jesus and, and push him into temptation. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all points as we. So that Jesus defeated every attack of the enemy. So when the enemy came to him in Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says that he rebuked the devil and spoke the word to him until the devil had to go. But notice that it took, it took something out of Christ. It actually tried to bring a weariness to his body. And the Bible says, and then... Angels came and ministered to Jesus. Angels came and ministered to him. So the devil tried it and failed. Jesus overcame the devil as a man. Notice that by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you can too. You will not remain in oppression in Jesus' mighty name. You shall not remain in oppression in Jesus' mighty name. I'm believing. I'm not telling you to do it, but I'm believing that every person that's watching that's having to take prescription medication, I'm praying and asking God that he will heal you in such a way, to such a degree, that your doctor will take you off of your prescription medication. That when you go in for a checkup, your doctor will say to you, you no longer need this medication. I'm not telling you to throw your medication away. I'm not telling you to stop taking medication. I'm telling you that I'm praying for you, that God will heal you to such a degree that your physician will say, I've been, I've been doing tests. We're looking at your body and you know what? You don't need this medication anymore. I'm praying that you'll be free from all prescription medication, that you'll not need it, that you'll be able to live healthy and strong with joy and peace and go through your life without being oppressed or depressed or come any, any attack of the enemy overtaking any area of your life. You can be free from oppression by the power of the Holy Ghost. So I'm praying for you today. Father, I'm praying for every one of your precious people that we love so much. Touch them today, Lord. I ask you, send your mighty anointing, healing virtue, delivering virtue, wherever they're at. Touch them today. Make them whole in Jesus' wonderful name. I pray if anybody's battling with sickness or disease in their body today, would you heal them? Heal them by your spirit. Let that anointing flow through their body and make them whole. We thank you that it's already done. By the stripes Christ took upon his back 2,000 years ago. We thank you for supernatural healing and health in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for every person battling depression and anxiety. Set them free. Bring a joy and a peace. I rebuke 
every oppressing force of heaviness and fear that tries to overtake their body. I command you to go today in the mighty name of Jesus. I speak against what the Bible calls a spirit of infirmity. I command you to go off of their body today in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we thank you for overwhelming peace and joy. We thank you, Lord, for rest. We thank you for healing and health. We declare it's our story in the mighty name of Jesus. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Listen, and if you receive that prayer today and believe it's already done, throw some fire in the comment section and tell me you're standing with me and believing that May is your month for miracles. In Jesus' name, May is your month for miracles. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comments section and declare it is done. In Jesus' name, it is done. Amen. Amen. I'm looking at the fire. I'm thanking God for agreement. We have agreement in Jesus' name. We have agreement. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. May is my month for miracles. That's it. Declare it. Declare it. It is finished. It is my month for miracles. I receive my miracles in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. And thank you, Jesus. We give you glory. That's it. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Jennifer. It is done. That's right. Mustache growing miracles, Renan. Hallelujah. I'm encouraging you. Now's the time. I'm telling you, it's never been a time like it is today to sow seed. This month, what are we believing for? A month of miracles. A month that God will do what he said he would do. And do you know, one of the things I'm praying for you this month, it's part of my prayer points. We did prayer the other night. I was showing you how to pray with those prayer points. One of my prayer points for you this month is that financial miracles hit your life like they never have, especially in this year. I'm praying that in in the month of May, that mighty miracles, thank you, Julie, for sowing, mighty miracles of financial miracles, that's what I'm talking about, will hit your life in this month of miracles. You know, God does financial miracles. It's all through the scripture. My father-in-law May is my month for miracles and a mustache. I'm praying so much that Larry has a big mustache at the end of this month. It's going to be wonderful. Larry and I will have them together. I want you to say it like this by faith. Put it in the comments. May is my month of financial miracles. If you believe that, put it in the comments section. May is my month of financial miracles. And I'm believing it will be. How do you spark that? You spark it by obedient seed sowing. Obedient seed sowing always brings a harvest. The Bible is very plain and very clear that if we will be obedient, he gives seed to the sower. Well, when he gives seed to the sower, recognize this, we have to recognize the seed when it comes into our hands. Can I share with you a secret of why many people miss their financial harvest? This is a secret I've learned over the years is that when the seed comes into our hands from God who gives seed to the sower. Thank you, my friend, Joel. Look at the miracles. Do you you see Joel, Pastor Joel Toller in the UK, sowing a seed today even though I'm wearing an arsenal kit? 
Look at the miracles that are already happened in the month of May. Look at the, that's, 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 a, that's a man you fan right there. And sowing seed, even though I'm wearing an arsenal kit, I'm telling you, miracles have already begun. They've already begun. Love you, Joel. You and your wife are, are wonderful and powerful people. When God puts the seed in our hand, watch this. Many people, and I do mean many, don't recognize the seed as a seed. What do they do? They take it and consume it upon themselves. This is, this is important. They take it and they consume it upon themselves and don't sow it. That will hold your miracles back. When the seed comes into your hands, the Bible says he gives seed to the sower, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But when it does come, we as believers have to recognize this is not for me to consume. This is for me to sow. Because God's plan is that when you sow it, he can multiply it and bring you back a harvest. Hallelujah. Don't, that's the best way to say it, Mary Sue, don't eat your seed. Don't consume your own seed upon yourself, but recognize it as what God's given you to sow and release it into the kingdom of God. And I hate to see God's people ever suffer. I hate to see God's people go without only because they've missed a small principle here. Recognize the seed. Recognize the seed and then release it as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It's very, very important. So we have many ways you can do that. Uh, for Twitter, Facebook, you can use hashtag donate in the comments as others have already done today. Cash app is available. MWGive if you're in the United States. Uh, Cash app, Venmo, and PayPal are available. All the information's on the screen. And then, of course, no matter where you are in the world, you can use miracleword.com to sow a seed. And uh, it's very easy to do. You can click on the give page. Not only can you sow a seed on the give page, if you'd like to schedule a recurring seed, you can do that on the give page as well. And if you'd like to partner with us, you can click on partner and, uh, and become a part of what this ministry is doing on a monthly basis. And we say a big thank you. This is already a month of miracles and God's doing it. It's already moving on your behalf. For people that are sowing uh, $85 or more this month, my friend, Pastor Alan Meshagan, has written a powerful book entitled Heir of Power. Heir of Power. This book is about knowing your true identity in Christ. Knowing who you are in Christ. I have it here. It's a powerful book. I've read it. And um, he's a great author, but he's also a great, great uh, preacher. Phenomenal revelation on the word he pastors Full Turn Church in Hiram, Georgia. Powerful pastor. And uh, this book that he put out recently, Heir of Power, he's got a brand new one out called The Table, which is also a great revelation. But we're gonna, he's been so gracious to allow us to send this to you um, for every person that's standing with us, 85 or more this month. We're gonna get it to you. <laughs> Joel said he doesn't know if he's gonna do a Fu Manchu mustache or a horseshoe mustache. Either one, I'll be so happy, Joel. So happy. Um, let me just say, if you missed the beginning, May is also going to be our month for mustaches. If you weren't here at the beginning, cleanly shaven face all the way to May 31st, grow that mustache out. It's really a challenge for the guys, but ladies, if you can do it, if your husbands are mad about it, don't do it. But if you can do it, join us. $100 to the winner, and we'll give second and third place price, uh, 
prizes as well. But the rules are got to keep the face completely shaven. Can't be a beard and a mustache or a goatee. Has to be just a mustache. Shaved face. I want to see the pictures at the end of the month. We're going to reveal them on Monday, June the 1st. May 31st is the last day. Get those pictures in as you're growing them. Um, and, and listen, let it grow. Somebody help me with that in the comments section. Hashtag let it grow. Mike, shave the beard, Mike. Talking to Mike LaValle. Shave the beard and let's get that mustache. Kate, listen, Caitlin might be upset for a little while. But it's quarantine, man. We're coming out of it this month. But still, let that thing go by pictures. We're going to look at the pictures and we're going to see. I'm going to show all the pictures. But I'm going to pick a winner. Maybe we'll vote. Maybe, well, of course, Mike, you'd win there. But uh, maybe we'll vote on the mustaches. But get those mustaches growing. Shave that beard and hashtag let it grow. Come on. Hashtag let it grow. It's going to be great. <laughs> Thank you, Jeanette, for sewing. Now, listen, we're going to be back again tonight through Saturday night with the 9 p.m. sessions. We've got a brand new series, which I'll announce later today. Brand new series starting tonight at 9 p.m. And we're going to continue every night through Saturday night. And uh, you're not going to want to miss it. We're building your faith, getting you ready for what God has for you in the month of May. And so don't miss it, man. Do not miss it. This is going to be a great week. 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time every single night, tonight through Saturday. And uh, we'll be back for that. Carolyn will be with me on the broadcast this week. And I've got a special guest that's coming in to be with me this week. And I'll have him on the broadcast as well uh, during the week. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you guys very much and love you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.